Just gonna run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. This is the Rise Up Sea Red podcast, all about the Arizona Cardinals and the NFL, featuring insider and outsider perspectives. Enjoy the best hour of Cardinals talk on the web. Now here are your hosts, Jess Root and Seth Cox. Hello, Arizona Cardinals fans, and welcome to the latest edition of the Rise Up Sea Red podcast, the best hour of Cardinals talk on the web. I'm your host, Jess Root from CardsWire.com, the USA Today NFL Wire site covering the Arizona Cardinals. And this is one of our many, one of the 14 um, 2023 opponent previews. Uh, we are now into the NFC East as we do the final four. We, we started with the NFC West teams. We moved on to the last place schedule. Um then moved on to the AFC North, and now we're, we're in the last stretch with the NFC East. The Cardinals open the season with three straight games against the division. The second, week two, their home opener is against the New York Giants. And with me is is from Giants Wire, one of the contributing writers, stepping in right now for managing editor Dan Benton, is John Fenley. Uh, John, welcome to the show. Nice to meet you. It's the first time I've ever met you. Hey, glad you? to be here. And what's how's it how's it like over over in the you know it's not you know right now it's blazing where I live <laughs> for different reasons out here if you've ever wanted to know what it's like to walk outside and be in an oven <laughs> that's what it's like it's dry it's hot but like any air it just feels like if you opened your oven when it was fully heated and the air come out this is how it feels like but it's way different where y'all live. Yeah, uh, we have heat, 92 degrees. We have humidity. I think today was about 80%, which is just uh, really disgusting. And we have bad air quality from fires coming down from Canada, smoke coming down from Canada. So the air quality is uh, wasn't as bad as it was a few weeks ago when we had orange skies, but uh, it's still bad with the humidity and the uh, and the fire smoke. It's uh, it's just not. It just hasn't been a good summer here. No, no, I can't imagine. But the Giants did have a good season, relatively good season. Uh, I don't know if it was above expectations, but last year where they hired hired a new yeah. head coach, uh, they made it to the playoffs. Something that that was surprising uh, for most people. Um, some might think that maybe they overachieved, but with Brian Dable in the in, in his head coach, he got the most out of that team. What can you tell us about that 2022 season? Um, what was different than previous seasons? Um, situational football was a lot better. Turnovers were down. Penalties were down. You know, they need third and one, they get it. You know, uh, staying out of third and longs. Um, injuries, they had, that was a killer the last five years. I mean, they led the league in injured players the last five years. So, um, 
Daniel Jones stepping up and playing much better than he had uh, in his first couple of years, Uh, not making the mistakes, you know, throwing the ball away, living to play another day rather than throwing interception. And, you know, the defense playing very well in situations. I mean, you know, yard, they they were giving up a lot of yards, but they weren't giving up a lot of points. Yeah. And keeping the team in games. Uh, Very good red zone defense last year. So a lot of that changed. You know, Dable came in, put a little discipline down, uh, got rid of the stupid football and bad habits that they they had the last couple of years under Joe Judge. And uh, Pat Shermer and Ben McAdoo. I mean, it was just a lot of disorganization there. And not, not only did they make the playoffs, they did win their first playoff game, knocking off oh, yeah. the the Vikings in that first round. A team that that what I think won thirteen or fourteen games, uh, and then a, a, and then got the doors blown out against against the eventual NFC champs, the Eagles. But yeah, they that 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 was. I mean, they did that to a lot of teams. So. Yeah, the Eagles were very tough. Uh, they were a very tough out last year. Probably should have won the Super Bowl game, but didn't. <clears throat> and uh, they'll be back with a different team, more powerful this year. But that's a conversation for another day. You look uh, at the how you, they managed to fit all those players back under the cap. I yeah, don't know how they did it. Yeah, but they did it. You look at a lot of the games that they won. They won a lot of close games. So they started the season a one point win over the Texan uh, Titans, uh, right. a three point win over the Panthers. They yep. had a, uh, they had well there's it was an eight pencil was a one score win over the Bears five point win over the Packers four point win over the over the Ravens uh, and twenty three seventeen six point win over the Jack or the Jaguars to start six and one what was it about those those cl- those close games what what was going right for them you mentioned the situational football was it simp- yeah. was it simply they weren't making the mistakes that they were previously right they weren't coughing the ball up. Uh, they weren't they, in years past. They would turn the ball over in the fourth quarter, once or twice, to kill important drives. Then they'd give up a big play and lose the game by two t- two scores. Right, so that didn't happen last year. Wink Martindale is the new uh, offense uh, defensive coordinator. Rather, um, he's got that bend but don't break in the fourth quarter. The Giants played very well in the red zone on defense. And uh, the games came down to the wire, and, and they just they either scored last when they needed to, or they held the, the other team down. It all came down to the last five minutes of the game. Daniel Jones, so, known for like for most of his career, is incredibly turnover prone. How did he oh, turn yeah. around? Five only five interceptions. That's incredibly low. One point one percent. Interception rate, only six fumbles. Um, That after years of being perhaps one of the most injury or most turnover prone quarterbacks in the league, between the fumbles and the and the interceptions, um, his numbers definitely weren't eye popping. Over thirty two hundred yards, fifteen touchdowns. Um, but he did but add, on the ground did what they were they were pretty well. Yes, were, he, pretty, he added the element. Uh, yeah. like, he was always a mobile quarterback, but they the he actively was part of the run game this last year. Seven touchdowns, seven hundred eight yards, and then on top of that, Saquon Barkley. But was it just the fact that they protected? Like, because he still was sacked forty four times. What did did the offensive system protect him with his decision making more, or did he just oh. start making better decisions? Absolutely. It, it's all coaching. It's Dable, 
who had coached Josh Allen for, for three or four years, right? Then you had Mike Kafka, who was the offensive coordinator. He was Patrick Mahomes' um, quarterback coach in Kansas City for three or four years. So, you know, you put those two minds together, you get a guy like Jones, they change his mindset, especially when it comes to turnovers, you know, how to do the checkdowns, how to go through the progressions. He had to learn all that all over again. When he was a rookie under Pat Sherman, he pretty much had that down because Pat Sherman's a very good quarterback coach also. But once Sherman left, uh, Jones, you know, was up to his own devices. He just fell off a cliff. But when these guys came to town, um, he was back on the horse, and I think he'll just get better. You know, he just he doesn't run um, only out of necessity unless they call a play. I mean, it's very rare that they'll do that now. Um, and he protects the football better. He has to understand. You don't go for that extra yard. Go out of bounds. You know, don't, you know, protect the football, protect yourself. This way he doesn't get hurt. He doesn't lose the football. Saquon Barca had a fantastic year, over 1,300 yards, uh, at another 57 catches. Now, granted, his yards per catch was, but it was basically extension of the, of the run game there. Uh, what What were other high points or highlights or positives to last seasons and and in addition to overall in addition to the improvement of, of Danny Jones and just the massive production of, of Saquon Barkley what were the other bright spots on offense a much much better play along the offensive line uh new offensive line coach Bobby Johnson been around a long time in the league uh he created a new attitude along that line uh Andrew Thomas uh, pro bowl all pro rather left tackle um, very good play in, in the, from the guards. Uh, Mark Lewinsky, who came over from the Colts, uh, had a pretty solid year against you know against the, you know for the run and the running game, not protecting the passer. The line still had problems protecting the passer, but the run game they were very good, and that helps when you have a guy like Barkley and you have backups like Matt Breida. Uh, you're able to you know get you know some eight nine yard runs when you need them. Uh, control the line of scrimmage a little bit. And that's what they needed to do. They needed to take the pressure off Daniel Jones a little bit uh, through the running game. And with Barkley coming back and being healthy, that helps with the line being much better. And now they've got made some more changes this year, and they'll be much improved on that line. Despite the, uh, one would say, the over the overachieving perhaps what expectations were, were there any any negatives to come out of? Were there any disappointments overall? Oh, absolutely. I mean, for, at the wide receiver position, the, the amount of injuries and then the lack of production. Um, Darius Slayton uh, was pretty much in the doghouse for most of the year. and he's, He had been their top receiver the last couple of years. But Sterling Shepard went down. Uh, Wandale Robinson went down. Um they, uh, they had to sign Isaiah Hodgins off the street. He had played in Buffalo with Dable, and he turned out to be a pleasant surprise, but only the last month of the season. The fact that they didn't have, uh, you know, solid wide receiver play the whole year, and to be fair, they don't throw the ball down the field that often, um, and that's why Jones's numbers, he only had 3,200 yards passing. You know, he's throwing eight-yard passes. Uh, you're not going to get too many yards doing that, but they needed an upgraded wide receiver, and uh, they, they did that in the offseason. Uh, they, they signed, they drafted one, and they signed two others. So 
we'll see how it works out. All right. Let, let's move on to that. Coming to next on the Rise Up Sea Red podcast, the best of Cardinals talk. On. Let's talk about the offseason, go over free agency, uh, the Saquon Barkley situation, and, and the NFL draft. That's coming to next on Rise Up Sea Red. We're back on the Rise of Sea Red podcast, the best of Cardinals talk on the web. Free agency. The biggest story is that of Saquon Barkley. What has been the situation with Saquon and money? And the every year we talk about how great running backs aren't appreciated, but then every time they get a big contract, they get hurt. Mm. <laughs> yeah, that happens. And the, uh, the running back market kind of the bottom fell out of it. In this this offseason i'm sure you guys know that um dalvin cook <laughs> lost his job and he still hasn't been re-signed right um kareem hunt still not signed these are solid players you know could help any team um with barkley uh he got the franchise tag uh, i think it's 10.1 million uh guaranteed for the one year the giants did not move off that number and today um he's going to have to play for that tag. They didn't sign him to a long-term deal. Today was the deadline. So what will happen is Barkley has very little, very few options, either play and, and, and get paid a 10 one or sit and get paid nothing. Right. Yeah. <clears throat> That's it. And he has until week 10 to do that, but every week he misses, he doesn't get paid. Correct. He deduct his, you know, his salary by that, that's game check, which is like 600,000. So he doesn't really, benefit by sitting out yeah so he comes back obviously we'll we'll have to wait and see if he plays were there any impact losses in in free agency uh this year on offense no on defense i would say they didn't make an offer or didn't make a, a big enough offer to the safety julian love and he ended up signing with seattle which ends up to being a good fit for him yeah, he was seen as an ascending player. He was a jack-of-all-trades in the beginning when they drafted him out of Notre Dame. Played a little slot corner, played a little corner, a little safety, a little nickel. And last year they made him a safety, and he led the team in tackles. But he became a free agent, and they just didn't have him in their plans for some reason. That was a little disappointing to a lot of Giant fans. A lot of people would like to see him back, especially since the other safety, Xavier McKinney, broke his hand in an off-field accident uh, and cost him uh, seven games. And his hand is still not 100%. So I think that that's a little bit of a concern. They, they do have new players in there. They did sign a free agent, uh, Bobby McCain, who played with Washington. Um, they have Dane Belton, who they drafted out of Iowa last year. And they also drafted a kid out of Houston, this year, Javarius Owens, who they like a lot. Um, so we'll see. And they like this kid they got from the Jets, Jason Pinnock, who they signed last year as a free agent. So we'll see how it works out. But uh, love was a proven commodity. And uh, a lot of Giant fans wish they would have kept him. Uh, on the acquisition side of things, not a ton of moves. Um, but but it looks like there's some some impact ones will potentially impact ones. It, the biggest move would have to be the addition of Paris Campbell, wouldn't you say? Well, the trade for Darren Waller was the big move. That was the big move of the off season for the Giants. They traded the third round pick they got from the Chiefs in exchange for Kadarius Tony. 
to get Waller. Uh, Waller, you know, has been injured the last. He's in and out of action the last two years, um, and hasn't been a Pro Bowler for a few years now. But uh, he's healthy again, and the Giants are hoping that they can get him back into Pro Bowl form. For a third round pick, it's worth it. Then you also add the names on there that probably on the smaller end of things. You, Ashawn Robinson should be a nice addition on the defensive interior. That's a big help to the Giants. They spent pairing him uh, with, with Dexter Lawrence will be very nice. Yeah, and you know they have Leonard Williams in there. They got uh, a guy they call Nacho from Tampa Bay. Rakeem uh, Nunez Roche. That's his name. I'm sorry. I keep forgetting his name. But uh, <laughs> very good against the run. Uh, they drafted a kid, Jordan Riley, out of Oregon. They had a kid from Oregon last year who got hurt, D.J. Davidson. So their front line, they're going to have a nice little rotation there. Um, cornerback, D. they D. added, uh, Amani Arorie. What do you think of that move? Um, he's been pretty good, and it's also been bad mm-hmm. some, too, yeah. as well. Loved him coming out of the draft at a Penn State. But then his pro career is like a seesaw. You know, it's up and down, like you said. Uh, hopefully they can make something out of him. The first-round pick, Deontay Banks, will probably start along with the Dory Jackson. So I don't know where he's going to fit in, probably as a backup, a nickel, or whatever. But they need they need talent and depth in the secondary. Which so bring, they were signing anybody they could find. Which brings us to the NFL Jack. You already mentioned Deontay <laughs> Banks. Um, extremely athletic. Uh, cornerback at Merrill out of Maryland, uh, they he was one of the stars of the combine. But not only that, you managed to pick up uh, Minnesota center John Michael Schmitz. Many right. consider him a, a potentially great center prospect. In fact, yeah. when when I did my my mock draft on this show, we had him going in the first round. We I had the Giants taking him in round one. And are those are, are those the two players that is Schmitz? probably going to start as a rookie no he's there yeah he's already there so is banks they're both going to start i mean it, it it's their position their positions to lose you know that's the word but going into camp so you know schmitz this is what the giants have needed a center a franchise center they needed that for a decade uh they've got it hopefully he can bring the line together um they they have pretty good guard play uh Evan Neal, who was their first-round pick last year out of Alabama as a right tackle, they're hoping he can make the same kind of jump in year two that Andrew Thomas did uh, two years ago. So the offensive line with Schmitz, they're, they're counting on him to do a lot, to bring it all together. And it looks like he's the kind of guy, you know, he's a tough guy. He's the kind of guy that can do it. He's an old giant, uh, what they, we used to call the suburbanites, Bill Parcells. Used to call the guys the suburbanites because they used to drive up to the stadium and practice in, uh, you know, uh, what do you call it? SUVs with car seats in the back. They said, <laughs> "You guys don't look like football players. You look like soccer moms." <laughs> <clears throat> round three, you pick up Tennessee wide receiver Jalen Hyatt. No yeah. fourth round pick. Round five, Oklahoma running back Eric Gray. Trey yep. Hawkins out of Old Dominion, round six. Jordan Riley, defensive tackle, Oregon in round seven. You already mentioned Javarius Owens out of Houston yep. as safety. Um, like. So we already know Banks and Schmitz, starters, no question. Which of those guys on the rest of the draft class could have decent roles as rookies this coming season? 
Well, Hyatt, um, hopefully, will have a role. I mean, the Giants have a lot of guys. They have Paris Campbell. They have Wandell Robinson. And now they have Hyatt. They still have Sterling Shepard, Darius Slayton. So, you know, they do have a lot of options. Who's the number one? There really isn't a number one. And they're hoping that Hyatt could be a deep threat for them. But, uh, you know, we'll see. You know, they haven't practiced yet. We haven't seen anybody do anything. So it's hard to tell. But uh, Hyatt looks like he's the goods. He did have that five-touchdown game against Alabama when he was at Tennessee. And, um, you know, hopefully he can become a good pro. I think that he's – a lot of people think that he was a steal in round three. Uh, the Giants traded up. That's why they didn't have a fourth-round pick. They traded up to uh, to get him. So that's, uh, you know, that's a gamble. But, <clears throat> you know, he's the kind of player that if he hits, he hits, you know. Yeah. Well, and, and yeah, he's a guy that, especially when it's yeah, in it a position of need, um, right. makes, makes a lot of sense. Uh, beyond Hyatt, do any of the rest of the guys figure to have any sort of role this coming season? Or are they more down-the-line guys? Well, you know, with Barkley, um, possibly, he probably, he's probably not going to come to camp. Uh, you know, he would have to sign his franchise. He's got to sign it anyway when you think about it. But when he signs and comes in, they probably won't play him in the preseason. They'll, they'll play Eric Ray. And, you know, they really like him. Oklahoma has a good track record of producing running backs, as we all know. So, you know, they really like his game. And they may be grooming him for a possible replacement for Barkley if he does not play well this year. So if Barkley doesn't play well, they probably won't franchise tag him and they'll let him become a free agent. And then Eric Gray will have the job. Not a bad way to run. If, as long as you're getting decent, productive backs, that's kind of the the philosophy to use. Use them yeah, up, move on. <laughs> running back by committee, if you look at all the top teams, yeah. Kansas City, Philadelphia, Buffalo, this is the way they they roll. They use three or four guys. Coming up next on the Rise Up Sea Red Podcast, best of Cardinal Stock on the web. Let's look at move ahead in 2023. What is expected out of the Giants this coming season? That's coming up next on Rise Up Sea Red. We're back on the Rise Up Sea Red Podcast, best of Cardinal Stock on the web. They are coming off of a 9-7-1 season in which they won a playoff game. What is expected of the Giants in 2023? Um, playing in a tough NFC East, we will say that. You've got the Philadelphia Eagles still looking like champions um, or looking they can compete. You've got the Cowboys who have continued to be uh, pretty solid teams. And then Washington, which which isn't good, but is never bad. Under like Ron Rivera's teams are never bad. They're always just right there tough and, and never can we get past like eight or nine wins. Right, they're very competitive, Washington, and they're going to go with a unproven quarterback in Sam Howell this year. Uh, anybody who's followed Sam Howell knows that he's a very capable player, but you know, making the jump to the NFL, with, he didn't have many reps last year, as far as I saw. But no, no, the one thing um, about Howell for me is when I remember seeing him at the Senior Bowl, I think it was he's he's going to get hurt because <laughs> he yeah, he's plays. Not very big. He's yeah. not that big, and he plays 
he plays like 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 you need to to make plays and but he's gonna sacrifice his body once or twice too many times it's probably gonna cost him games that's that's my opinion because that's what I remember seeing at the senior bowl when he took off and he was productive but you're like mm-hmm. oh, he's gonna take some hits yeah that's that's the one thing I think with Washington and you know as giant fans they're, they're not really too concerned about the problems of the other three teams <laughs> you know after after the last five seasons where we lost double-digit games every year, um, not really too sympathetic about the woes of the Cowboys, <laughs> Eagles, and Commanders. Right. So what, what's expected of the Giants, naturally the bar is going to be much higher. Um, they're going to have a tougher schedule. They went from having one of the easiest to one of the hardest. They're playing some really tough teams. They're doing a lot of traveling, a lot of cross-country. Uh, many, many night games, many, many featured games on Fox and Amazon and so forth. Uh, they don't have to go overseas this year, but there's still a lot of travel. And, um, you know, that's going to take its toll. You know, that always does. I mean, you guys, the West Coast teams that have to come east. Yeah. Uh, you guys know what that's like. Correct. Because it's so spread out out there. You know, if the Seahawks especially always lead the league in miles traveled. It's hard hard not to when you live up in right. all yeah. the way up in the Pacific Northwest. Right. Is there right. any fear that what they did last year was better than what they're going to be because they had so many things go right for them that there is a fear of sort of the regression toward the mean and those things that normally are 50-50 but were going the Giants' way will not go their way this year. Well, you can't, you know, the football shaped a certain way. So when it hits the ground, you don't know which way it's going to bounce. Yeah. So you can't, you can't predict that, you know, you're going to, you're going to lose some close games. You're going to win some close games. Um, but this, this year, I probably looking at the same type of record, if everything goes right against, because they really have some tough games. In yeah. So if you're talking number of wins, what's probably their reasonable ceiling? And is are you probably looking at maybe 10, 11 wins as a ceiling? And maybe, if everything is going well, making it to the NFC Championship game, depending like depending on how the no. seeding works? No, I don't think they're, they're going to win that many games. I think they're, they're, the over-under, I think, is seven for them in Vegas. So, do, you, do you still like uh, the over for that number? I think they can do nine, you know, nine and eight, right? Yeah. Do you do you think they're a playoff team again this year? Like, is yeah, I think they can make the playoffs again. Uh, nine and eight could probably get you there. And yeah. what do you feel that they're like? I'm not. I'm. I'm going to exclude major injury, but if things don't go well, what is their probable their probable floor this year? I would say six. Excuse me, six. So yeah, it's, it's, sort of a, a six to ten or eleven best case. Yeah, that's the range you're looking at. Yeah, and, and how do how do Giants fans perceive the Cardinals? The Cardinals are perceived mostly as a terrible team. Um, but as you look oh. at that that week two game. On the road, it is the Cardinals' home opener, so they're like naturally. They're, in terms, like for me, when I do betting stuff, I always on the home openers. I always give a little extra juice to the home team um, because it's their first game. 
um, at home to get the fans. I think that's week. Oh, it's week. Uh, week two. Week three or it is se- September seventeenth. That's week two. The Cardinals oh, open. Week two, you're right. Yeah, Card- okay. I'm sorry. The Cardinals open in Washington. Yes. T- yes, host, yes. host the Giants in week two, and then host the the Cowboys in week three. We we play three of the four NFC East teams. It's like yeah. it's like we're back in the NFC East yeah, thirty years ago. Um, you're running the gamut. Do you <laughs> do do Giants fans expect to win? Not only expect a win against the Cardinals, expect a, a win a a a convincing win. Just expect a win. Or do they feel that that's a game that will be tougher than advertised? Wow. At this point in time, you know, I don't know if Kyla Murray is going to play. Not likely to be two. He'd like to, but I doubt it. Okay, so who will play quarterback is the Probably Colt McCoy. McCoy, who was here for the Giants. He's a game. I mean, he can move the team. Um, But, you know, the... uh, the Cardinals aren't seen as as a team that's going to win many more games than they won last year, which was, I think was four, right? Yeah, they won four. The the the, the projected win total is four and a half. Um, yeah, so yeah, so I don't know if this will be one of them, especially if they don't have strong quarterback play. They're not going to win. The, the Giants will win that game. You know, good quarterbacks will beat the Giants. <laughs> but, you know, because Colt they can figure Colt out. McCoy is a nice quarterback, but we know he's not a good yeah. quarterback. Like, he's good yeah, enough. Giants, Giants have issues with guys like Hertz and Prescott and, you know, Matthew Stafford and guys like that. Uh, Kirk Cousins they could beat. We've seen that. But, you know, that's, you know. Kirk Cousins is Kirk Cousins. So. Kirk Cousins, it's, it's amazing watching Kirk Cousins play. You look at his numbers like, he, he's got to be good, right? Then you watch him play, and you're like, wait, is he good? I can't tell. Yeah, he's you know, he just doesn't make the play when he needs to make it, it seems, right? Yeah. Well, but, uh, you know, the, the Cardinals, getting back to them, uh, they seem to be like a, a mess right now. They're um, moving I in the right this, direction. They had a decent draft from what I could see. They still have some good players on their roster on the defensive side, mainly, right? Um, you know, they've got they've got very good safeties. Mm. And then everyone in front of them is mid at best. Mm. <laughs> Basically, there's some potential. There's a little potential there, but in terms of proven production, Buda Baker, Jalen Thompson, that's it on defense. The defensive line, you, yeah. their best defensive lineman, their most proven defensive line is Carlos Wat- Watkins, a guy that if you know who he is, congrats. He's not a household name by any means. He's a journeyman at best. On offenses right. where they've still got, they have talent. If once Kyler comes back, the offense can probably carry the team a little bit. James Conner running back. You've got uh, Hollywood Brown. Right. You've got Zach Ertz at tight end. Uh, the offensive line is 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 improved, but when Colt McCoy is playing, um, it, it, they have to be on schedule and they can't fall behind because that that Colt can't do that. Yeah. Well, that's that's the big question. If 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 even if Murray can play, I mean, you know, and Murray has been erratic. Uh, you can you know that more than I do. Uh, you know, if you play fantasy football, uh, you play Murray. It's, it's boom a bust, you know, and it's been a lot of bust <laughs> this last year. Indeed, it definitely yeah. was. All and right, John. 
John yeah. Fennelly from Giants Wire, Giants Wire, uh, one of our our sister sites on the NFL Wire, filling in for Dan Benton these days. John, uh, aside from the site, there is there any other content that you have out there, social media ways that that are my listeners, if they're looking for Giants content, can find you. Oh yeah, my um, my Twitter handle is uh, at John Fennelly, but it's it says Fennelly on football. I have a newsletter, a betting newsletter, I send out during the season only. Uh, betting and fantasy, which uh, my my picks do very well. I just want to let people know that. Uh, probably better than a lot of these uh, so-called expert touts that you see. You know, I've been doing this a long time. Um, I've been watching the NFL since, I guess, 19, the first Super Bowl. Wow. So that was the – I've seen every Super Bowl. Um, there was a, a stretch during Super Bowls that, where I won 22 in a row Ooh. with the spread. You know, and uh, I was pretty hot there for a while, and last <laughs> year very well. So, I, I, I put it to you this way: I don't really work for a living anymore because I can win in fantasy and betting NFL. Some as I take off. That's not a not I a bad gig. I don't have a day job. <laughs> <laughs> nice so job to let everybody know that. So for for you degenerates out there listening to my show, you you get what what Seth and I talk about: Fennelly on football might be a follow that yeah. you want to make. Uh, find him on Twitter. Sign up for his newsletter. Uh, John, appreciate the time. Thank you so much. That'll wrap up this edition of the Rise of Red podcast, the best hour of Cardinals talk on the web. Um, unless this is the last show released, we've got another NFC East opponent coming tomorrow. Thanks for listening. As always, thank you, John, for your time. We'll talk Anytime. again. Thanks for Thanks. listening, everyone. Okay. <laughs> Thanks for listening to the latest edition of the Rise Up Sea Red podcast. Listen to previous episodes and subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher Radio, Audioboom, or many other podcast platforms so shows are delivered directly to your mobile device. Please give the show a five-star rating and always support the sponsors who support the show. We'll be back soon for the best hour of Cardinals talk on the web. Rise Up Red Sea, Be Red Sea Red, and of course, Rise Up Sea Red. Just going to run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts.